everybody. Welcome to It's Okay to Ask Questions. I'm Matthew Rodriguez. And I'm Dia Shin, one of the producers of the show. Yes. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Pride. If it's Pride when you're listening to you, to this, if it's Christmas time, you might have discovered this like months or years later. Right. For I me, mean, it's Pride every day. That's right. Yeah. Amen to that, my friend. <laughs> okay. So, Dia, I have a question for you. Yes. Who was the person that wrote Believer from Imagine Dragons? Sorry from Justin Bieber. Cake by the Ocean by Dance or DNCE. How do you say that? Anyway, you you can Google it. Um, Issues by Julia Michaels. Love You to Love Me, Selena Gomez. Natural Imagine Dragons. Centuries Fallout Boy. Good for you, Selena Gomez. Hands to myself, Selena Gomez. I mean, the list goes on and on. Who is the common thread between all of those songs. Justin Trenter. How did you know? Did well, you cheat? I, You're I such did. a cheater. Well, I'm a like, producer of got... the show. Well, oh, oh, true, I, true. I do have to say, I did not know before, but I knew right. all the songs that he made. That's the thing. I mean, that is the magic of a songwriter. Right. They are behind the scenes, and most times people don't know who wrote all these songs. They have exactly. no idea. But Justin Tranter has billion, billions of streams from their music and i actually know justin i met justin did you not know oh, that? you were a fan of justin when Justin yes. was an artist right so it's a long story but my roommates in college breed love who i love you if you're out there he's hanging in florida right now um breed love introduced me to justin when justin was a member of the band semi precious weapons now i want everyone to stop what they're doing and listen to Semi Precious Weapons music before you go any further in this podcast. What? Which one? What's my? What's your favorite the, song? My favorite song is their original song. I, I can't pay my rent, but I'm fucking gorgeous. <laughs> Excuse love that. the vulgarity, everybody at home. But I was, I don't know, early twenties, had just moved to LA. And my friend Breedlove comes to town and says, hey, I'm performing with this band. I'm, I'm going to be opening for this band, Semi-Precious Weapons. I was like, okay. And Breedlove was always edgy in a whole other scene that I was never a part of in the queer community, in the music community. He knew Lady Gaga. Um, I was stupid and didn't go to performance when Lady Gaga was Stephanie back in the... Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other episode. But Justin was performing. I go to the Roxy on Sunset Boulevard and I watch Semi-Precious Weapons perform and I thought I was the luckiest person in the world. Oh, how so? They were rock stars. Uh-huh. Like every single one. Justin was the most dynamic person I had seen on stage. So me, my friends, we all thought this is to the moon. Like we are seeing something so incredible. There's no way it's not going to be a global phenomenon. And it, they they had some success, mm-hmm. but they never went anywhere. Right. And that is what we get into in today's episode. How do you go from being in a band that is so talented, but then just kind of fizzles out and you end up living in an apartment with six other people because you can't pay your rent to becoming one of the most renowned pop star writers of our century. Yeah. Um, so impressive. Yeah, no, I love that whole conversation because what for a lot, because there's a lot of successful queer people mm-hmm. and a lot of time the motivation is the homophobia uh, and justin gets into that um so he well look I, I paused there for a moment because justin while i originally thought they were they non-binary mm-hmm. they only use they them pronouns 
during this interview, I don't think it made the actual interview, but they told me that they go by he, she, or they, oh. which makes it very easy if, yeah. you're, if you're if you're someone who struggles with the pronouns and I, Justin couldn't make it easier for you. Okay. So, um, and, and I think it's okay, right? We've talked about this. It's okay if you if you stumble and you it takes a minute to get adjusted to someone's pronouns or the right. way they want to be referred to. Um, Justin would say, just correct yourself and, and move on. And, and you don't have to go, oh my God, I'm so sorry about it. Just correct yourself. Oh, good. Because I thought I was that. just canceled. No, you were canceled. <laughs> yeah. DS is out. Can somebody take DS out of the studio, please? <laughs> D- oh, he's still here. Still here. <laughs> well, look, you edited this episode. Yes. Um, I'm sorry because sometimes I ramble and I'm sure you had to clip all the questions. <laughs> all the clipping. No, I I really, really enjoyed editing this episode. Because again, like like you said, I didn't know the genius mind behind all these amazing songs that I danced to. Um, but it was just eye-opening. And especially when Justin talked about the school yes. that really helped him help them bloom. Chicago Academy for the Arts. Right. Um, that was very special conversation, especially because I'm from Korea. I had to be very, very inside closet throughout my my school school days. Mm-hmm. So the way that this conversation shows that what that school experience, what the childhood experience can do to you as a person mm-hmm. and their career, thats that was really special. I mean, teachers are some of the most important people many times yeah. for members of the queer community because they just have this special insight and they get it and they see things in kids that they don't see, the, the children don't see in themselves at the time. And many times they, you know, help foster your talent in a certain way and be like, oh, like you know I had one of those teachers you'd be good at singing on the stage yeah I'm sure she wanted to be like girl you should get up on that stage because you're a big old queen you're gonna use that talent but um you know it's the gentle nudging that is uh so special about teachers and I I shout out to Miss Hathaway and Kate Grana and all those wonderful teachers in my life and this school changed Justin's path yeah Justin was in a very dark place and that is so relevant today because there's a lot of Politically, stuff happening with the school, their book banning. Um, I, I mean, changing the curriculum yeah. in schools. And and it's you just can't believe that it's happening right now. Right. And I feel for these children. And so they need to hear Justin's story, truly. Like, it, Justin is an inspiration, more so now than ever. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, the other big thing is Justin's a baller. I mean, with all that... With all those songs playing on the radio every other day, they donated $500,000 to Chicago Academy for the Arts. That's incredible. And they've already donated a ton of money in the years before. Right. No. Good for them. I mean... I look at that studio, that music studio they got. Oh, my God. That's some fancy, fancy studio. Yeah. To be able to have that in high school, to be able to have the same equipment uh you, you won't see this in the podcast but in the tv version of this episode uh we go through the studio that justin donated and, and we see some of the things that they've helped the school buy and, and that's just the type of person that justin is and i think you're all going to relate to their story of overcoming the obstacles of their career overcoming bullying and thriving thriving more than any person that i've seen it's incredible yeah and Justin really, like you said, didn't do, the band didn't do as well because of the whole homophobia, which we'll, which you will listen to. But 
clapped back, <laughs> told everyone that, <laughs> you know, it was homophobia that took me down, but you still love my music. That's and that's right. the talent, Hanny. <laughs> Hanny. Okay. With that, Hanny, here's Justin Tranter. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so the first words I heard you say were, I can't pay my rent, oh. but I'm fucking gorgeous. Thank God you were gonna say a lyric. I no. thought it was something else. I was like, girl, <laughs> not with the cameras on. Okay, lyric, yes. But, yes. but guess what? You can pay that rent now. I sure can, and I am moderately attractive. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, you're still 12, gorgeous. Thank you. You're still gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> you're still gorgeous. But the, the thing that I realized as I've deep dived into all things Justin Tranter is that it really was hard for you to get to that point to get to the point where you are now, for you to hold your head high and be confident and, and really just spread queerness in the most beautiful, <laughs> wonderful way. Because you had a little rough go of it before, so much so that you had to leave your previous high school. Yeah, so grew up in Lake Zurich, Illinois. So I went to Lake Zurich Public School my whole life, um, up until I came here. Um, and it was pretty awful. Um, didn't learn much. <laughs> I can't really add. Did you learn how to fight or anything? I can't spell, but I did learn how to um, be confident in the face of assholeism. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of assholeism were you facing? Just like, it's like such typical bullying. Yeah. So cliche that like using the bathroom. Um, in public school was always really? terrifying. Yep. Because they would call you out and- You're a girl, why are you in yeah, here? Or you're gay, are you trying to look at me? And I'm like, no, I'm literally just trying to use the bathroom. Did you know what they were bullying you about? Were you aware? Like, did you know yeah, you I, were different or felt different? Yeah, I, I was very aware of my femininity um, mm -hmm. and I loved it. I wasn't ashamed of it. Um, but I was aware even before school. You know, I'm the youngest of four boys, so there's three older brothers. You know, a couple of my siblings were pretty awful to me as well. By the time I got to kindergarten, I was already, my brothers were letting me know that I was mm. different. My oldest brother, Johnny, always thought I was fabulous. Um, the middle two, a little iffy. <laughs> Are they, they think you're fabulous now? No. No? A little, a little touch and go. A little really? touch and go. Not close with them? Um, no, 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 but that's okay. okay. You, can't, you can't win them all. No, you um, can't. You can't, you can't win You them really all. can't. Yeah, but so. my parents always celebrated and supported everything about me. Um, so I was very lucky to know that my parents were always going to stick up for me. Mm -hmm. So when I went to one semester of public high school, the bullying got so bad that it, it was, became very physical on like almost a daily basis. And one time I was just straight up like attacked in the middle of a classroom with a teacher there. And I was sent to the vice principal's office, not the guys who attacked me. And she said to me, I'm gonna give you a week of detention, not them, because you need to think about why they're doing this to you. Wow. Which was the moment my parents were like, fuck this. You're good, <laughs> yeah. thank God. Um, thank fuck God this. your parents saw that. Um, I came here and auditioned, mm -hmm. and my audition was pretty bad. Uh, I was so nervous. I what did you say? I sang you know? Corner of the Sky from Pippin. Oh! Do you want to do it now? <laughs> I don't think we have the money for the rights. <laughs> um, Steven Schwartz is a friend. I can probably get it clear oh, for you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, but um, the, I, my audition was pretty bad. I was so nervous. I went, luckily, the teachers asked me questions, and they were yeah. like, well, why do you want to come here? Mm. 
And I said, well, I want to be like the biggest star in the world. And they were like, any other reason? <laughs> like leading me to like give a good answer, yeah. you know? And I luckily was told the truth, uh, which is maybe the first time I realized like how powerful the truth can be, even if it's dark. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not safe where I am. Literally on the spot, like a movie. And I get emotional every time I tell the story. Um, said to me, well, we can't make you the biggest star in the world. <laughs> no one can, which was fair because I was really bad. Um, but we can make you safe. Mm. And that was it. I was just like accepted on the spot. Mm. My whole life was different from that moment. Like in a second, I like was able to be who I want to be every second of the day. Pretty beautiful. What was that first day like here at school? Oh my God, so overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> These kids are crazy. I mean, even I just walking in here, I didn't go to this school. And I'm like, oh, this, this would have been nice. It was so beautiful. I thought my personality was big. I was prepared for personalities because these kids are already been set free. They'd already been safe for a couple years, you know? So um, these huge personalities, this huge amount of love and joy and today this school still provides a safe place because sadly the world even though some things have gotten better the world is still a shit show and the world can still be mean you know and so that's the most important thing about this school is that kids can come here and be safe was it here that you discovered you were gay and were you did you feel comfortable exploring that it, here? it was here where i i yeah i, I was here i had a a girlfriend here for like the first I couple. I mean, didn't we all? <laughs> for the first couple weeks. And she's fabulous. We're still really good of friends. Of course. She was like the first person I told, like, I think I'm queer. And she's like, no, sweetie, I know you are. <laughs> oh, oh, so she, she was, knows. Amazing. She was just like, I'll she make knows. out. She was like, you were sweet. You were nice. We had yeah. a blast. We'd like choreograph dances to Madonna when we'd like hang out at my Love house, it. you know, like. But yeah, it was here. I, I, I came out and um, realized who I was. And I mean, you always know. Yeah. But just like you feel safe enough to accept it, to tell yourself, let alone tell the world. Were there a lot of kids doing that here? Or Yeah, there, know, was, there was. I would imagine so. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of kids out of the closet here. There was kids transitioning you know, gender and living their gender truth in 1995, 96. Yeah. Like, it was, you know, openly queer teachers, you know, like that, that will blow your mind, you know. And also here, you, you know, my, my, my major is musical theater and mm -hmm. I love musical theater, I still do, but I started realizing like, I don't really like acting and I started writing songs and this school gave me the freedom to be like, well, like, all right, so my, my senior year, um, I asked to not take acting class anymore. Okay. Um, and I kind of like go in the, to the music department and do something there for that hour every day. And they said yes and found the right class for me that fit in the same time schedule. So not only did this place allow me to be free as a human being, mm -hmm. but allowed me to be free as an artist. And so by the time I was ready to apply for schools, I still did apply to a lot of musical theater schools, but then I also applied to Berkeley uh, College of Music for songwriting. Um, why songwriting? Like, why that specifically, not performance? Not I had started writing songs, and, and there was a teacher here, the head of the music department at the time, and she walked in on me at, like, lunch in one of the practice rooms right over mm -hmm. here, playing a song. Um, she like, walked by the room and heard me playing something and um, was like, did you write that? And I was like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm just, like, making it up. And she was like, I think that there's something here. If you want, come to my classroom every Friday during your lunch break and uh -huh. I, like play me your songs and I'll give you feedback and I'll play you 
famous songs and we can break down their song structures and break down their rhyme schemes and break down where the melodies are changing and why they're changing um, and like fully changed my life. And I applied to six schools, five of them musical theater schools and one for songwriting and I only got into one school. <laughs> are you serious? You only got into Berkeley? Before songwriting. So it was like oh, this amazing- Oh, they're pissed now. <laughs> they're pissed now as you write the checks. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, you went from Berkeley to Semi-Precious Weapons, yeah. right? You met the band, the other band members there, yeah. all of which were straight, which I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, which was amazing because you all just presented this like fluidity. I thought, well, shit, I am seeing a rock star before everyone else knows who they are. Well, thank you. And no, I really mean that. And and it was shocking to find out that your you know your label <laughs> your label was really hard. The record company was really hard on you. Yeah. I, I just thought you were you were on your way to the sun. And I had no idea that you were struggling with trying to get your work out there, getting people to believe in you, being told you were too queer, too gay, too much makeup, why are you wearing these clothes, all those things. Yeah. I had no idea. And I thought you were such a rock star. We had four record deals, you know, signed and dropped from four different labels. And I think at the beginning, record executives are gonna come to our show and they're gonna see these, the fans behaving the way that they behaved with me, which the fans would just go crazy and they'd be, they, as far as they were concerned, I was the most famous person yes. alive. So they'd see that energy and be like, oh, well, all we have to do is just put a little bit of money into this and it'll just explode. Mm -hmm. um, and when it wouldn't, every single label, when it didn't explode overnight, every time, then that's when they would start to go, okay, let's be less gay, let's wear less makeup, you know, in company-wide emails, um, that I was CC'd on. Can you please edit the shot out, get a different shot in, in the video in, in, at 23 seconds because Justin's wrists are moving way too limp. Saying that in, in company-wide emails. I'm wearing like gold eyeshadow yeah. it, that we can't edit that out. So I don't think we should worry about my wrists at this point. <laughs> yes. What are we yeah. talking about? Um, so it would always be their sort of insecurities um, would show up when it didn't like work overnight. We have still never had a music superstar who started their career out of the closet. Mm. It has never happened. Sam Smith had two huge mm -hmm. songs in the UK before they came out. Lil Nas had the, broke every record on the planet before he came out. Mm -hmm. To this very day, it has not happened. Um, Kim Petras might be the closest thing, being mm -hmm. openly trans since the beginning of her career, but you know, her, and I worship her, I think she's so talented, but so talented. her huge hit is a Sam Smith, you know, there's Sam mm -hmm. Smith, it's a Sam, featured on a Sam Smith song. Right. So one of the, the, possibly the queerest thing to happen in music history. So I celebrate that and I, we, I worship that moment, but it's, we've still yet to have a superstar who started their, their career out of the closet. We also don't have many executives or songwriters who have. Um, whether it's Clive Davis. Which is Davis. shocking to me. It's because crazy. When you think about, when you think about the, the kids that run through this school, many identify as queer. Yeah. And, and we go into music and we go into the arts and then somehow it all just goes away once you get into the offices or any position of power. Yeah. No, How the hell does that happen? It is and you're, shocking. You're there, you're in the rooms now. Yeah, no, and I still get like, disrespected in ways that other like straight hit makers at my level would never be disrespected. Mm -hmm whether that's people canceling on me last minute and not, oh, whatever, Justin's so nice, it's fine. Because right. I have to be so nice, you know, as like one of the only 
super successful queer people in the music business, if I start acting like a diva, it's just... It's, you're out. And they, the minute I like stick up for myself, the words diva are used mm -hmm. immediately. Big personality gets used immediately. Mm -hmm. When I'm like, uh, there are straight men who are much bigger divas mm -hmm. than I am, but no one ever questions it. Oh, so-and-so just knows what they want. So-and-so just knows how to get this across the finish lines. Even though the world has gotten to, to be a much, to a much better place, um, it's still a fight. It's still crazy how few queer people are actually in positions of power in the music business. So when you left Semi Precious and then you saw this path towards songwriting, you got to support other people. Yeah. In the best way. Yeah. Um, and it how, got to how be about my feel. It felt amazing and, and it feels amazing to help other people tell their stories. Mm -hmm. And it also, it was no longer about me, so it was no longer about my queerness. It was just about my talent. Mm. It was just about, is this the best song in this moment? Mm -hmm. Is this the best song for this artist in this moment? That is all that we are thinking about. You know, because also when I first started getting cuts on big artists, no one had, you don't even know who wrote the song. You just, an a and right. person gets sent a song and they listen to it and they like it and they play it for the pop star and the pop star says yes. Like, so it, in that way, it was, it was, it was this um, huge validation of, oh, once it's not about who I am and what I represent, it's just about, is this song amazing? Mm -hmm. My whole life changed, like overnight. So it, it's, it's kind of like the most beautiful fuck you of like, right. oh, I was right all along. I knew that these songs were amazing. I knew that I could write at the highest level. Y'all were just homophobic right. and didn't let me shine. I see you walking in with your purse. <laughs> like, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I didn't get to be the star I wanted to be because of homophobia. And now there's the proof that I was writing songs that were good enough for the whole were. world to, to listen to. But at least I got there. At least I get to make music that the whole world has heard. Mm -hmm. At least I have the financial privilege to give back to a school like this. Mm -hmm. At least I have the financial privilege that when my dad was forced into early retirement, he's fine. My mom is fine. Like that is, that's the beautiful part. Like I, I get to be, I get to give back now. And that's amazing. And now you're only, you're not only giving back to your family and the school, but you're, you've created a record label. Yes. That fosters queer talent. Yeah. That's a game changer. It's a big, Game changer. I, I've, and what's so funny about my, my label is that the, the mission of it was never like, I want to foster queer talent. Um, it's just what I like. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the first person I signed was Shia Diamond, who is a black trans woman who has. Smile. That um, song, Smile. Oh, thank you. I love that song. Love that song. That's one of my favorites of hers. I have Shia Diamond. I have Jake Wesley Rogers. Who? It's taking over the planet slowly but surely. Who is not you? So to me, I, I, I look at them and I see you. Well, thank you. You know, Jake like, is... because Jake is like, I, I'm, let's ha hang on. Like, <laughs> here's the rocket ship. Yeah. And I know Elton John has noticed it and so many people. A lot. So, so when you look at Jake, do you, do you see yourself? I very and, much see myself. I think that Jake um, was able, is able to um, tap into their vulnerability mm -hmm. musically a lot more than I was at the time. I think in the St. Precious Weapons days to sort of survive the insane, I mean, some of the reviews that people would say about our band, these people would lose their jobs now. Right. For the blatant homophobia in reviews, just blatant. They would all be fired. Um, so I think to sort of like deal with that, there was this very hard exterior 
who I was in the band was me, but it was a, a you know, it was me on steroids mm-hmm. and a, a very hard exterior where Jake really taps in to uh, a beautiful vulnerability that I think is really important for the fans to really connect on a deep level with him. I think if Jake was straight, or even if Jake performs and sang and did exactly the exact same show, the exact same outfits, but was vague about mm-hmm. uh, his sexuality, I think Jake would already be the biggest star in the world. Mm-hmm. And I, Jake will be the biggest star in the world. It's just gonna take us a little bit longer. Um, because homophobia is still real as fuck. But once Jake gets there, there'll be no stopping. Because the talent is just... I have written songs with some of the best songwriters on the planet mm-hmm. of a generation, and Jake is just as good, if not better, than all of them. Wow. When you have a Jake, and you see them performing and up there doing their thing, do you ever have a moment of, like, I want to do it again. Fuck no. No, okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The time on stage is so beautiful and that connection with your fans is so beautiful, but there's 24 other hours in the day that it's for young people. Yeah. Um, And I am proudly not that young anymore. Also, the um, putting yourself out there like that. It's, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah. The whole thing is exhausting. Um, the only thing I ever mi- I, I miss about being in a band or miss about being the artist, whatever, you know, there's a weird term in the music business we call the singer, the artist, and then like producers and songwriters are just, we're not artists. It's very weird. It, it is a weird thing. They, but or, they use it to keep yeah. everybody in their place. They know what they're, they know what they're <laughs> they doing. Do. What I missed about being an artist, sorry, is, is being a part of the, the whole conversation. Yeah. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What is the right way to visually represent this and blah, blah, blah. And so with the label and with some of the musicals I'm working on, I get to be a part of those conversations again. So did you get to live more of that out with Greece, which... Thank like, you. Like, come on. Pretty crazy. Every little musical boy's dream <laughs> when they were a little kid. Well, my favorite part of Grease was always the Pink Ladies. So yes. to work on a show that is Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies, and Annabelle Oaks, our showrunner, has a very smart, beautiful way back into the Grease universe. Your executive music producer. Executive music producer, and then co-wrote all 30 original songs for the first season. Can we talk about the nostalgia factor of Grease and what that represents and then to bring it down this other path of queerness, for lack of a better term? Yeah. The the weight of that, did you oh, feel that weight? Because, I mean, like, probably one of the most watched musicals of all time, I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and I think the soundtrack is, I think, officially the most successful soundtrack of any movie musical ever. Okay. Of course there's pressure to that, but like, you have to turn off the comment section in your own brain. Mm. It is an honor to be able to create something in the Grease universe. Yeah. Um, Metaverse, Greaseiverse. The Greaseiverse. Um, and I think that Annabelle's story of it simply is just these pink, these original pink ladies are are four girls who just want more than they're supposed to, mm-hmm. more than the world allows them to want, more than the world thinks they deserve. Whether that's being class president, whether that's not being slut shamed, whether that's being able to live, you know, with one pink lady, Cynthia, coming into her own as, you know, it starts as just a tomboy and then you realize that she's going on a queer journey. Um, that simply by these girls just wanting a little bit more than the world tells them they're allowed to, that that creates a moral panic. Mm. And that, to me, is, I'm very proud to be a part of that. Um, and the original Grease, you know, was 
even though looking back, there are moments that are problematic, but for the time it was very progressive. Mm -hmm. For the time it was these women not being afraid of their sexuality. Um, and also musically I felt safe because the original Grease is very much a late 70s version of 50s nostalgia. I mean, Grease is the word, the opening song is written by Barry Gibb, you know, disco pop royalty, mm -hmm. you know, so like they were not afraid to, to fuck with genre and era. And so that kind of made me feel like, well, people are going to be watching this and thinking about this movie they know and love. But if you really look at it, it just all feels nostalgic to us because it's been around for so long and the whole world loves it. But like, they were not afraid to get messy, so fuck it, let me get messy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> and scene. So you've, to me, you've uh, been closest to the sun when you sit down with stars like Selena Gomez, uh, Gwen Stefani, I, I mean, you name, you, you know all the names. Yeah. Like, what is that like being in that, on that level of fame, like seeing it up close and personal? I mean, fame is awful. Yeah, um, I'm so grateful that I get to be a, to, to co-write music that the whole world hears, but I don't have to be the person that deals with the whole world. Mm -hmm. That's all I gotta say about it. I mean, being that close to fame, understanding that these people's life, you know, when you're young and you just are so passionate about something, whether that's acting or music or songwriting or whatever it is, you're dancing, you're so passionate that you want to share that passion with the whole planet. And no matter how many movies we see or how many news stories we see or articles we read about fame being pretty awful, you still want it because you just mm -hmm. love what you're doing. You want to, in the purest form of it, you just want to share what you love with the whole world. It's like your song from Greece, I Want More. Yes, thank you. So I that's my more. favorite song in the whole show. I love so it. Thank you. I feel like we could reenact it in here with the locker. <laughs> we could. We like, really could. That was like such a powerful Yeah. Moment. But it is. It's yeah. like you can't help. Everybody wants it in some way or another. Yeah. And so, yeah, fame is, fame is uh, a doozy. Fame is, fame is a monster. Mm -hmm. um, and fame is an addiction, I think. But I, I mean, I even feel that as a songwriter. You know, as a, you're only, I say to young writers all the time, like, really celebrate your first hits, really celebrate this moment because our industry loves fresh blood mm -hmm. and love fresh meat and you're only fresh meat once, <laughs> you know, like right. take every meeting you can, work with every artist you can because when you have that moment, when I had, when my first like two years of success, when there was like five, six hits in a, in a, two-year period, almost 18-month period. Where was your mental state at oh, that Oh, I was, I'm so lucky that I, because you had already, like, you had been beaten down been quite beaten a down. bit. So, so I was so lucky to find the success that I found at, it, I wasn't old at all. I was, my first hit was when I was 34. But for most, in entertainment business, yeah. that's old. You know, I, I work with people every day who are having their first hits, and they are 21, 22, 26 at the oldest. Mm -hmm. So for me to have it at 33, I was old, and I am so grateful because I literally just, had a blast. Yes. <laughs> like I was ready to receive it. Yes. I was ready to not um, be broke anymore. I was living, you know, I had three number ones at pop radio and the money takes a while to show up. I was, I had three number ones and my first billboard number one with Justin Bieber, sorry. And I was still living in a two bedroom house with six people. So I was, I was bring it on. But a lot of writers that I was meeting who were also having their first hits, but were way younger 
so much fear, so much pressure. Can I do it again? Is it going to happen again? I'm like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I did it. At least I did it. Yeah, you did it. I just it. did it six times in 18 months. This is it's crazy. Insane. So I, I'm so grateful that it, that level of success came to me late in life. 33 is not late, but for the industry it is. So I had a blast. I celebrated every fucking song that came out. <laughs> uh, you know, it was amazing. For anyone watching who's not familiar, Take us through some of those hits that you had in that moment and beyond. Like, you've had so um, many more okay, stuff. sure. That that's gonna be a fun. See if I how good my memory is. Um, Fall Out Boy Centuries was my first big hit. Synagoma's good for you. Um, Justin Bieber's Sorry. Cake by the Ocean by DNCE, which was Joe Jonas's yes. band. Um, uh, hands to Myself, Selena Gomez. Which I love. Thank you. And didn't know you wrote that. Until oh, really? They didn't know you wrote that. Oh, I love that. Until recently. That's it's one of like my one favorites. Of, it's like oh, so quirky and odd. And so I'm in the good. shower and I'm feeling myself. That was like the first round. And there was some other like, um, Haley Seinfeld, Love Myself was in that same couple months. Gwen Stefani, Lose You to Love, no, Lose You to Love Me is Selena Gomez, that came later. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a Gwen Stefani song with Lose in the title um, that I love, but I can't remember the title. My biggest song, like financially and everything, was Imagine Dragons Believer. Which didn't know you wrote that either. Yeah, um, and then Julia Michaels' Issues, uh, which was my uh, Song of the Year nomination at the Grammys. Um, Grammy, and then you had a Golden, Golden Globe, Globe nomination, nomination in the same year? Yeah, in the same year. And it's also kind of fun, too, because I don't like pop music. <laughs> so I never, you don't? No, I never listen to pop music on purpose. What do you listen to? Um, a lot I'm of like, like, shocked by that. A lot of like lesbians with guitars who I think oh, are the okay. best lyricists of all time that no one didn't give them the respect that they deserved. A lot of folk music. Okay. Um, a lot of alternative country, Americana, you know, everyone from Patty Larkin, Patty Griffin, to Jason Isbell, to um, yeah. uh, Casey Chambers, an Australian country artist, um, and then like Phoebe Bridgers, who is a little more current and modern. Um, but yeah, so it's also do so you fun. Write for, do you offer to write for any of these people? They all write for themselves. They don't you know? need you, yeah. Um, me and <laughs> Ani DeFranco, oh. who's my, I think is possibly the best lyricist of all time, maybe tied with Courtney Love. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to work with both of them, but like the Ani song was for like a charity thing and Courtney and I worked years ago and are working on a very exciting new project right now, but um, they don't need me. Like my main thing is lyrics, right? I do write melodies, like I can play piano, write chords, but lyrics are my main thing and they don't need my help. Like they're better we than I am. We all need Justin's help. Thank you. We all need Justin's but so it's help. Also I think was really fun having the success in the industry because like I don't, I don't listen. I know a lot of writers who like listen to their own songs mm -hmm. on a loop. I really, I don't. I want you to name names once the cameras go off. No, I mean most, <laughs> they love pop music. Yeah, so yeah, of yeah. course they're gonna okay, listen to yeah, it. Okay, yeah, right, right. Um, so it's kind of fun for me because it's like, you know, Selena Gomez, Good For You, which was my first like traditional pop hit. Um, Fall Out Boy Centuries was my first hit, but that's more in right. the alt rock space. And, um, but Good For You, like when we wrote it, I, I knew it was special, but I maybe listened to it twice. Really? You know, it's just I don't. Meanwhile, it was streamed like a billion times. Yeah, two billion number times one at radio and just the whole thing. So, oh my God. Um, Justin Bieber, sorry, I don't think I listened to one time after we wrote it. Stop it. Yeah, when you know, to the demo, um, right? Of course, and you just like let it go because it's it's not the type of music that I listen to for enjoyment. I get nervous 
when there's songs that I write and I'm like, ooh, let's listen to that shit again. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's probably not a hit. Oh, <laughs> right, that's true, that's true. Because I don't, I don't listen to pop music on repeat, so <sighs> it actually makes me nervous. Like, it, it, did, it, was, it was like a, a, a pretty solid hit, like B.B. Rex's I'm a Mess, which is a very alternative, fucked up lyric. It, I think that went to like seven on radio, and that I listen to a, a lot. Like, if it's on the alternative, weirder side, if the lyrics are really fucked up, then I get excited. That makes sense. Yeah. Looking at semi precious weapons. Right. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. The name of this show is It's Okay to Ask Questions. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. We thought, because it is, right? Yeah. I think we're in this time where we're scared to ask about yeah. being gay or being non binary or being, the, and, and like, it's okay. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, what is the one question that you always get that affects you about wh whether your queerness or your life or, the, or your lifestyle? Is there a question that always stands out for you? I mean, this doesn't really have to do with queerness, but I mean, my whole life has to do with queerness, so mm -hmm. kind of, but I get asked the question all the time of like, how, how do you get there? Yeah. How do you get your music to be heard? How do you get success? How do you this? And, and the answer is, there, the, sadly, the answer to that question is like, the only, there isn't really a way to do it. Um, but because of this school, I was able to be like so delusional in mm. my confidence. I was able to feel so validated in who I am as a person and who I was as an artist. I literally like give credit, it's all because of this school that I was able to be like, you're all wrong. The world is wrong, yeah, the yeah. industry is wrong. And they were. You're gonna catch up with me eventually. Like, trust me, I, it's like that beautiful teenage delusion that this school did not kill in me. They let me be delusional. <laughs> They let me believe that I could be great, that I could, you think you're a Broadway star, but now you want to write songs? Sure, fucking go for it. You want to start an AIDS benefit. You know, I started an AIDS yes. benefit here um, my senior year, maybe my junior year. Um, and I said, I want to do just a variety show where it'd be the first show in the school's history where kids from all different departments, we all get together and you might be a visual artist, but if you want to sing in this show, come show and sing. Show your other talent. And, or if you want yeah. to just paint something for it, then you paint something for it. And we wrote little scenes and we, I, I directed it. And, and it, it, this, this school let me go, okay, you want to make your own show and raise money for a good cause? We will give you the space to do that. Mm. Um, and that, AIDS benefits still happens here at this school. Um, 25 years later, 26 years later, somewhere Don't in there. Don't age yourself, 10 I'm, years later. No, I, lo I love my age. Yeah. I am 40, I almost said 43, I'm 42. I'll be 43 in June, I'm very proud of it. So like this school let me be that delusional to believe in myself mm. that deeply. Um, that that's the only way you can, you can get to the top of whatever industry it is that you're trying to get to, is you have to believe in yourself so deeply that when you get a million no's, you just keep going, well, they're wrong. That's well, it. they're wrong. They're wrong. <laughs> and know? they are. Yeah. And they were. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I'm like beyond proud to celebrate you and all Thank that you've you. done, truly. Thank you. And I'm so happy you can pay your rent now. <laughs> so happy about I'm that. I'm paying a lot of people's rent. You are paying a lot of people's I got rent. it. <laughs> you are. Okay. Like, I love Justin. Yeah. I, 
I was just listening to all the songs of Justin. Well, I mean, you've been listening to them and you didn't even know you were listening to right. them. Right. Now I have a different understanding of them. Uh, that That is it. To walk through those halls of the school, uh, at home you might not realize, but we were actually in the Chicago Academy for the Arts doing this interview. And to be hearing Justin tell these stories in the actual place where they learned how to thrive was really incredible. So we thank everybody over there. That school is still churning out amazingly talented kids. We got to go there and see some of the kids in the hallway. And it was just like you think, it's just like fame, the movie, right? Like kids singing in the hallway and practicing their dance routines or their monologues. And seeing that is so inspirational. I love that Justin still supports supports them. What was also really inspirational too is that he is this queer voice, queer authority, queer authority in that music industry. And I didn't know how homophobic music industry is, which is so weird. I don't know that I'm shocked, quite honestly. I mean, all of the C-suites in Hollywood are still still the straight, straight white men. Um, which I love straight white men, have no problem, but we need diversity in all of those rooms, right? Uh, So the fact that Justin is in those rooms, I'm sure it makes so many people uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I love. It's like, because Justin's so bold, so kind, you can't get upset with him, which, you know, they said is a front, not a front, but one of their tools, one of their tools. He almost has to be nice. Exactly. And I'm, I feel like I'm, Nice because I have to be. I don't really want to be DS. I don't want to be nice to anyone. <laughs> Can you imagine if I was just some raging psycho? Um, well, like, look, go onto Spotify and listen not only to It's Okay to Ask Questions because they have podcasts and you can listen to us there, but go listen to Justin's songs. You can go on their thread. And just listen to hit after hit after hit after hit. Uh, they are so talented, and I can't wait to see what other music they come come out with. They talked to me about Britney Spears. I'm not going to share what they said, but that was a wonderful conversation. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And if you want to watch the TV version right. of this episode, you can go to NBCChicago.com and search It's Okay to Ask Questions. Why, DS? Because it's always okay to ask good questions. Actually, bad questions, too. Yeah, Any they questions. can be bad. You can apologize for them later. Whatever. Just ask something. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.